Welcome to What's the Story, a podcast that discusses one Bible character and one theme from their life and looks at how we can apply that to our lives today. Episode 1, Joe. Let go and let's go. Welcome to the first What's the Story podcast. I hope you're excited because I certainly am. I thought we should start with Joseph, who is my favourite Bible character of all time. And that's not just because his life is a musical. Anyway, in my head, Joseph has always been a Joe. There's lots we can learn from Joe's story. But today, I want to talk about the idea of let go and let's go. Joe's story is an invitation for us to let go of bitterness and resentment and embrace the next adventure and journey God has for us. So, here's a whistle-stop tour of his life. He's one of 12 brothers, second youngest, and age 17, he has two dreams that seem to be from God about how he'll rule over his brothers and parents. One involves sheaves of corn, the other the sun, moon, and 11 stars. Perhaps gloating to his brothers about these dreams wasn't ideal, but he was just 17. He's thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery by the very brothers who should be bowing to him and, quite frankly, should be looking after him. Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, becomes his new master. Now, our Joe is quite the handsome chap, and he gets hit on by Potiphar's wife. Interestingly, there's speculation that Potiphar was potentially a eunuch, which meant his marriage was purely ceremonial. The most likely explanation for this is that Pharaoh's officials were castrated to ensure they wouldn't be tempted to make any advances towards Pharaoh's wives or daughters. If this is true, it means Potiphar's wife could have been free to look elsewhere for sex. Joe could have justified it to himself that it was fine to sleep with her in light of this. It could potentially put him in Potiphar's good books. Even if this isn't true, think about how tempting it would have been for Joe to sleep with her. The Lord had promised him greatness and power, and here he is, sold as a slave, the exact opposite of someone with power. It might feel like the Lord has misled him, his dreams lie in tatters. Joe's wrestling with that gap between where we want to be and where we find ourselves and how that gap is often bigger than we'd like it to be. He's been betrayed by his brothers and betrayal always hurts more when it's done by those closest to you. So, as far as he's concerned, it feels like God's abandoned him, so why not abandon God? However, Joe puts us all to shame by fleeing from sexual temptation in the gold standard our youth workers were desperate for at least some of us to adopt. He tells Potiphar's wife, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? As he flees, he loses his coat, but he wins the battle. He's then thrown into prison, falsely accused of that very thing he's just fled from. He's now surely well within his right to think he should have slept with her, seeing as he'd be in jail whether he had or hadn't. Time passes, and while in prison, Joe is asked to interpret dreams for the cupbearer and the baker. This would have been tough. Joe would have felt the sharp pangs in his chest, reminded of his dreams and how he's even further away from them now. Listen to what he says. 
Don't interpretations belong to God? Joe interprets the dreams and then they come true. However, there's no sign of his dreams coming true yet. Then Joe's forgotten about. Again, he's done the right thing and is seemingly being punished for doing so. Two years go by. Then Pharaoh himself comes knocking, asking for Joe because he has just had a disturbing dream he doesn't understand about seven fat and seven thin cows and a similar one about corn. Joe scrubs up to meet Pharaoh. The Bible says he shaved, he put nice clothes on. And why wouldn't you? He's in the presence of the most powerful person in the land. And Pharaoh says to Joe, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Pharaoh speaks highly of Joe and his abilities. And how easy would it have been just to nod along? I mean, you don't correct Pharaoh, that would be insulting. How often in life have we said, it was just a bit easier not to say anything? Or, technically, it's kind of true, I just didn't want the hassle, I didn't want to offend him. But listen to what Joe says. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Despite the pain associated with interpreting dreams, he does the right thing. This dream would be especially painful for Joe to interpret because it contains grain, just like his dream did at the beginning of the story. And then everything changes. He interprets the dreams. There'll be seven years of bountiful harvest, then seven years of devastating famine coming Egypt's way. Age 30, he's quickly rushed into power as Pharaoh's right-hand man, Pharaoh's number two. The seven years of harvest start and they fill the storehouses with grain ahead of the seven years of famine. And here is Joe's redemption, a long time coming, but he now starts to see the greatness once prophesied. And eventually his family, they come looking for grain and they do indeed bow down to him as his dreams say and they reconcile. It's worth pointing out that the biblical narrative is such that we don't really know how the characters are feeling and we don't know how Joe is feeling throughout these events. But there is one way, and that is his children's names. Back in biblical times, the names you gave your children were more than just a name you liked or a family name. They were a statement of your feelings or circumstances at the time. If you like, it's the equivalent of a pinned tweet nowadays. Joe has two children during the seven years of feast and harvest. He names his first child Manasseh, which means to forget. And he does this because he says, God has made me forget all my trouble from my father's household. By naming his son Manasseh, he is releasing his brothers and family from the hurt they caused him. Remember, though, at this point in the story, he hasn't seen his family since his brother sold him into slavery. They haven't apologised, made amends, or shown any remorse. But Joe declares he no longer holds their sin against them. And it's almost like he's drawing a line in the sand with the birth of his first son and says, I don't want my bitterness to play a role in their lives. It would be easier to forgive his family once they've apologised and bowed down to him. But he does this before that. He lets go. But how? How does he let go? Well, at two stages of Joe's life, we are told that God is with him. Firstly, while he's a slave. And secondly, while he's in prison. 
in the two toughest moments where bitterness and resentment would surely flourish the most, there the Lord is. He is in the midst. He is in the epicenter. The Lord had been close to him, working on his heart, helping him to forgive. And perhaps in our pain, that's when we're most malleable, most vulnerable and most soft-hearted. And Joe's second child is named Ephraim, which means to be fruitful. And he says it's because God has made me to be fruitful in the land of my suffering. In the midst of a bumpy journey, ending up in places he didn't expect to be, such as in prison, falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit, sold into slavery by his brothers, his faithfulness forgotten about, Joe sees the opportunity to be fruitful. And remember, the seven years of famine are still to come, and Joe is determined to be fruitful in the land of that suffering, in the land of the upcoming famine. He's ready for the next adventure. He says, let's go, let's be fruitful. But what about Joe's name? What does that mean? Well, once his mum Rachel has given birth to him, she says, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, May the Lord add to me another son. So we're looking at two different meanings here. The idea of removing shame and increasing in number her children. These seem like opposites. But the words are linked to gathering, particularly in terms of crops. Removing the crops from the field to add them to your pile in the storehouse. In other words, harvesting. The harvest is the name for the crops that have been collected, that have been gathered. And so Joe, Joseph, Mr. Harvest himself, if you like, he is managing the gathering of crops to save the nation. What started with crops in a dream to a 17-year-old spotty teenager ends with crops. Hidden in his name all along was the destiny God had for him on this earth. His name means the same as his son's, to take away and to add to forget and to become fruitful. He names his sons in such a way that they bear his mantle, almost his rallying cry to his descendants is let go and let's go. At the end of Genesis, as this story wraps up, once Joe has been reconciled with his brothers and his father, he says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Again, the same idea. People try to take things away from Joe, his freedom, his destiny, but the Lord intended to bear fruit through it. And that, that is our story. Yes, people will intend to harm us. Circumstances will harm us. We will harm ourselves. Things will be difficult. Our beloved Jesus says you will have trouble in this world. Now, Isn't that a promise of the Lord we don't shout from the rooftops? But in every situation, the Lord invites us to forget and become fruitful, to let go and then say, let's go. So I pray today you'll be able to start that journey of releasing situations or people that have hurt, that you can release them at the foot of the cross and through your struggles, the Lord would make you fruitful. And if you're in the metaphorical pit or prison, remember Joe had 13 years from the original two dreams to being the man in charge of the feast and famine. 
And if you find yourself betrayed, slandered or forgotten about like Joe, remember the Lord was with him when it hurt the most. The Lord never forgot Joe and he won't forget about you. The Lord blessed Joe to be a blessing for others. God's blessing was on Joe while he was a slave, and that meant someone else was blessed. It was Potiphar's house and land that were blessed, the Bible tells us. The blessing won't always happen to you, but it could happen through you. We are part of God's story, and that means we aren't always the author. But while you wait, I pray the Lord would prosper you like he did with Joe, and he would teach you how to forget and be fruitful no matter what season you find yourself in. What is the Lord calling you to let go? And to what adventure is he saying, let's go on this together? (laughs) 